the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, October the 10th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 10, 1845, the U.S. Naval Academy was established in Annapolis, Maryland. Today in 1911, Chinese revolutionaries launched an uprising that led to the collapse of the Manchu dynasty and the establishment of the Republic of China. Today, in 1962, President John F. Kennedy signed an amendment to the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. It required pharmaceutical companies to prove that their products were safe and effective prior to marketing. (laughs) That's interesting. Today, in 1966, for those of you who are older and were around in those days, you may remember the Beach Boys. Well, they put out their single, Good Vibrations, which sold, I don't know, millions of records. Brian Wilson and Mike Love, Capitol Records, released that tune. Today, in 1973, Vice President Spiro Agnew, he was accused of accepting bribes. He pleaded no contest to one count of federal income tax evasion and then resigned his office today in 1973. Today, in 2001, U.S. jets pounded the Afghan capital of Kabul, President George W. Bush unveiled the list of the 22 most wanted terrorists. One of the guys on the list was Osama bin Laden. Today in 2004, Christopher Reeve, remember him? He played Superman. He had, a, he had become a quadriplegic, as you may remember, from a horse riding accident. He died today in New York. He was 52 years old. There's a comprehensive study out of Harvard University. I've got to share this with you. It just takes a minute here. It's not what I really want to talk about today, but it's worth mentioning. This um, comprehensive study, and it is pretty comprehensive. I I spent some time and looked at how deep they went with this, and it looked like, (laughs) dare I say this, it looks like they were being pretty honest with the numbers in in the narrative that they published with the numbers. But a comprehensive study from Harvard University about the motivations of those who participated in the January 6th, the 2021 riot at the Capitol, the thing that Liz Cheney, the only thing she has to live for and stand on, that riot and hearings. They're trying to get another uh, report, quote unquote, into the mainstream media, which would be all of the networks dominating an hour or whatever of, of, you know, prime time. Uh, they're trying to get one more on before the uh, before the election. I don't know how they're coming on that. I'm sort of paying attention from a distance, but nonetheless, they're still trying to get one more performance out before the election. Anyway, um, this Harvard University comprehensive study found that only 8% of the people there, it's a pretty in-depth study too, only 8% actually wanted to start an insurrection or a civil war, contrary to claims by the Liz Cheney's 
January 6th committee. That has not been their message. Their message has been that pretty much all of those people that were outside the Capitol on January 6th, and make no mistake, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just talking about it. But let's get real. 8%, according to Harvard, not First Church somewhere that ran a survey, found that only 8% really wanted an insurrection or a civil war. It is in the most comprehensive study to date of what motivated the supporters of Trump and, and Republicans in general, conservatives in general, to attack the Capitol. The Shornstein Center researchers have found that 20.6% of the rioters uh, were motivated to take part in the riot because they supported Trump. Another 20.6% of the rioters cited Trump's claims that the 2020 presidential election was rigged as their primary reason for being involved in that or even attending, uh, moving from the, from the speech that Trump gave over to the Capitol grounds and the Capitol building itself. The third most common reason for attacking the Capitol was a desire to start a civil war or an armed revolution. And as I said, um, that study found that only 8% actually indicated that. So 92% of the people you see in those graphic pictures, really, they, they, weren't, they don't want a civil war. They weren't there for that purpose, according to Harvard and Shornstein. So in this interview, uh, this guy Fagan, he said, uh, or this gal Fagan, she said she was surprised by how frequently Support for Trump and concerns about the election were cited as the primary motivations for joining the the January 6th uh, episode at the Capitol. But Jonathan Turley, he's a um, very highly recognized constitutional law scholar and teaches law, as you may know. He shows up on a lot of the media, and it, not just Fox, but others as well. He's not a conservative. I, I mean, he may be a conservative. He's not known to be conservative. But anyway, he says that what he found most interesting in this study is that it suggests that many of the participants in the riot believed, rightly or wrongly, that they were defending democracy, not trying to overthrow it. You will not hear that from the media, because they don't want that whole episode at the Capitol to be about defending democracy, even in the minds of people. They don't want to even allow anyone to think that there might have been some well-meaning, some righteous cause in the minds of some of the people that did what they did there. And again, I'm not condoning that. I mean, I wish they would never have done that. I mean, man, I don't know what, you know, but anyway, that's, I mean, that's what you just don't hear in the media. You never hear that in the media. I don't understand, really, why Harvard did that, because Harvard is not a bastion of truth. They're anything but that. They started out to train ministers to preach the gospel, but that was a long time ago, and this isn't that Harvard. John Harvard would probably roll over in his grave or vomit his breakfast if he knew what they were doing there now. But their purpose wasn't to right the wrongs of the press, so I, I'm not sure why they did this, but anyway, they did, 
And the outcome of it and the findings were very, very revealing, in my view at least. So it shows you the cross-section. It sh- what it shows you is that the American people are not the horrible people that the media keeps telling us we are. If we don't fall in line and shut up and march to their drumbeat and do what they do and believe what they believe and check out our one-year-old child to see if it's transgender and on and on and on. So anyway, that's kind of a little profile on all those people that they keep showing you rushing the Capitol, breaking windows, and all that kind of thing. Only 8% of them wanted civil war. 92% of them fell into the category of being upset over the election, thinking it was not um, it was not valid. And uh, among them, there was the group of people who thought and felt like they were actually defending freedom from the people that are trying to destroy freedom and destroy our nation. And I don't think they can hide that much longer. The left has been busy doing what they do long enough, and they've become so cocky in in the last couple of years or so that they are not even, there's not even a pretense now. They just do what they do, and they're trying to remake America. And many people know that, and we should should know that. I got this note from a... um, supporter of the ministry, and uh, she contributed online, a generous contribution. There's a little message when you contribute online at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. When you contribute online, it's it's easy. There's a tab there, and you just click on, and a growing number of people are doing that. But anyway, when you do, there's a little, it asks for information on there, and you fill it in, and and uh, then there's a little message box at the end. And a lot of people just put a little line in there or something, or a lot of people just don't say anything. They just send their contribution. But this uh, woman who is a regular contributor to the ministry, she she wrote this in the, in the message box. And I know you're listening today. I, I don't know you personally, but um, I'm not going to mention your name, so don't just relax. But here's what she said. She said, deception is all around us. Those in power lie. They do not uphold the Constitution, but accuse God-worshipping citizens of being racist and bigots. Keep pointing out what's happening in our world today. It's hard to get an honest report from the media. And her name. Yeah, it is. And that's a good deal of what we try to do on this program every day, is to, is to get to the truth of the matter. Not that we feel we know all the truth, but if you turn on the light... And look at things through the lens of God's word. Truth becomes more obvious. <laughs> the word of God is indeed a lamp and a light to our way, to our path. And that's what we try to do every day. Thank you for your support. If you want to mail a check in, and many many of you do that, I want to thank you for that. Send it to Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98. 98- 009, box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Psalm 2911 says, The Lord will give you strength, will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. No matter how upside down and screwed up the world is, the Lord says, I will give you peace. Peace I leave with you. John wrote down as Jesus said it, John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. And the God of all peace, Romans 16.20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. The mom said, I had one foot, one hand on the door and one foot ready to step over the threshold of Planned Parenthood. Then Mark stopped us. He was like, quote, you guys, you guys don't have to do this. Jada, the mom, explains, I want to talk to you about a moment, a precious moment that happened at the door of a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic. It was a moment that changed everything for this young mother and the father of their unborn child. You know Mark. I introduced you to Mark a couple of weeks ago. You met him a couple of weeks ago in the column that I wrote on faithandfreedom.us that we write every morning, and I talked about him on this program. Some of you responded with response to that story. It was a touching story. I mean, it's concerning, but it's touching. I'll update you a little bit on that if you don't remember or if you weren't listening that day because it fits into, I want to give you a little view of the next chapter of what happened. I think it's a microcosm of what's happening in America today. Abortion is a, the, the, the left, the Democrats are focusing on abortion as their strongest message to the nation that they are the protectors of abortion and that's why people should vote for them. I mean, it is. Even people that are leftists in the media are, are saying that's the main thing that the Democrats are saying in their bid for re-election in the upcoming election just in about a month from now. So they've spent about $18 million on abortion-related ads. That's tripling what they spent on the issue throughout the entire 2018 general election. Political put that out. They're left-leaning. They're not conservative. Democrats view abortion, they say, as a winning issue for their party and are bombarding voters with TV ads on the issue, according to Politico. However, the majority of voters favor abortion restrictions that are opposed by most Democrats, and abortion is consistently ranked as a low-priority issue by most voter, voters, according to numerous polls. Abortion is the most important issue for only 5% of voters. Now, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just telling you. of voters put it toward the top of the list. According to a July poll from Monmouth University, 63% said inflation-related issues were their top priority. Only 8% said that abortion was a top priority. However, in this seeming ambivalence toward abortion and life itself, voters who support abortion are less likely to vote in November, according to all the polls that have been taken on this, um, they think it's a losing issue that their people, their Democrat leaders, are pushing out there, and they don't think it's worth it. And a majority of them are saying they're not even going to vote of Democrats. That's an interesting, and just keep that in the back of your mind, it's a very interesting fact. And a lot of several polls have shown that to be true, that Democrats are not deciding whether who they're going to vote for, they're deciding whether they're even going to vote or not, and most of them are leaning toward not voting. Back on September 27th, I wrote about Mark Hauk or Huck in my Faith and Freedom Daily column. It's on our website. I talked about him on this program. You will remember. He's a well-known pro-life author, a public speaker, a sidewalk counselor, 
He was arrested at, at Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia. He, he was arrested in front of his children. The Department of Justice ordered a SWAT team a raid on his house for alleged violations. They say he violated the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. He's a devout Catholic. He's a father of seven. He drove two hours to Philadelphia every Wednesday to speak and to counsel people outside abortion clinics for six to eight hours at a time, according to his wife, Ryan Marie Hauk or Huck. There was an altercation. A suit was filed, but the claim was thrown out of court. Then the Biden administration jumped all over this with their SWAT team, and they came after him. You remember the story now. I know many of you who you know, listen to this program and read what I write. You're not Catholics, but boy, that affected all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're Catholic or Protestant. All of us who are pro-life, all of us should be informed. And we should be informed about what happened next after this assault on this man and his family in their home by the U.S. government. Mark's wife, Ryan Marie, you remember she's a homeschooling mom. She described how the SWAT team, she said it was about 25 or 30 FBI agents, swarmed their property with about 15 vehicles at 7.05 in the morning. Having quickly surrounded the house with rifles and firing positions, she says they started pounding on the door and yelling for us to open it. Before opening the door, she says her husband tried to calm them down, saying, please, please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house. But she said they just kept pounding and screaming outside their door. These SWAT guys and the FBI. When he opened the door, her husband, they had a big, they, she said they had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark and pointed at me and kind of pointed throughout all the house. When they came in, she said they ordered the kids to stay upstairs. She said our staircase is open, so the kids were at the top of the stairs, but they could see everything that was going on, you know, looking down into the kind of an entrance or foyer of the house and their front door. So she said they were there watching all of this. And she said, I was coming down the stairs at the time they came through the door. She said our kids were screaming. It was all just very scary and traumatic. I would say so. And the wife and mother explained that it was chaos. Why were the police taking these actions with this kind of force? Well, you'll recall that we talked about that on this program. The warrant charged Mark with violating the freedom of access to clinic and uh, Entrances Act, and it was due to a claimed attack of a patient escort. This guy was escorting, they have escorts to escort these women into the Planned Parenthood so that the pro-life people can't talk to them or influence them and possibly, you know, encourage them not to get an abortion. She said the, the wife, Ryan Marie, says this charge comes from an incident that happened was thrown out of the district court in Philadelphia, but was somehow picked up by Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. Imagine that. I'll tell you, these agencies are becoming weaponized by the Biden administration. And if anyone thinks otherwise, you better rethink that, because, I mean, it's concerning when you see the government turning on the citizens of the nation. When you see a political operator like the Biden family turning this and and his uh, allies, turning government agencies meant to help, I mean, created to help maintain law and order and justice and so on.
which has been the case from the founding of America, when you now see them weaponized and being used to attack people with whom you disagree in their beliefs, their spiritual beliefs, or their political beliefs, that should be concerning to every American, regardless of what side of the political aisle you may sit on. But anyway, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, boy, they came on like this guy was, I mean, like he was like public enemy number one, like he was Osama bin Laden II or something. But on several occasions, when Mark went to the sidewalk council this last year, he took his oldest son with him, who was 12 at the time, he's 13 now, but he took him with him. And for weeks and weeks, this pro-abortion protester would start come right up to the boy and start talking to this boy, this 12-year-old, when he was while he was with his dad, Mark. And he would say these very crude and inappropriate and disgusting things. Well, on this one day, he started in on the line. He said, your dad's a fag. You know, he's a homosexual and blah, blah, blah. And he went on about that. And other statements that were too vulgar to even quote or publish. And I didn't when I talked about it before. But repeatedly, Mark told this guy, he said, you don't have permission to talk to my son like this. He's 12 years old, for goodness sakes. Leave him alone. But he kept doing it. And he kind of then got right up close on this particular day to that son and was right in his face, in his personal space, and he was obscenely ridiculing his father. Well, at that point, Mark, the dad, pushed him away from the child. The guy was like 70 or something like that. He either purposely or or accidentally tripped and fell backward, but he didn't get hurt. I mean, he jumped up, he was fine. He didn't even claim to be hurt. Didn't have any injuries, but he filed a suit against Mark, and the case was thrown out of the court last summer. Now they're back. Mark is now charged. They took him away. They arrested him at his house just recently, the other day, a couple of weeks ago now. He pleaded guilty to the uh, to not, he pleaded not guilty to the abortion activist charges of blocking the way and and breaking this federal rule or law. But here's the next chapter of courage in this story. Jada and Jakeem, who now have a daughter named Neva, they shared their story in a recently posted YouTube video. I watched it. It's tremendous. I mean, it's moving. They're a black couple. Pro-Life Union of Greater Philadelphia has put it online. A lot of people have looked at it. They're praising Mark Houck, the pro-lifers, for encouraging and supporting them. Jada says this, and I quote her, the mom. She said, I had one hand on the door about to go into Planned Parenthood, and then Mark, the same Mark, stopped us. And he was like, you guys don't have to do this. She says it was a moment that ended up changing everything. She describes it how she felt. She said, I felt shame and guilt when I first found out that I was pregnant. She says, others compounded those feelings and encouraged me to have an abortion. But Hauk's decision to step into the gap and to help the couple overcome fear encouraged them to turn back, cancel the abortion, (laughs) and have their baby. She said, we talked to him, and he really got us through this. The dad said he opened our eyes to a lot of things, Jakeem. He opened our eyes to a lot of stuff. Jada and Jakeem are praising Hauk for his kindness in their lives, noting he didn't just convince them not to abort, but that he and other pro-lifers stepped up, and they also supported them along the way. She says, anybody can be a crutch, but nobody can fix yours, and that's what he did. He told us and made us feel like we got this. 
Jada and Jakeem named their baby Neva. I thought that was an unusual name when I saw it. Well, here's what it's about. Neva, N-E-V-A-E-H, is heaven spelled backward. They say, the parents say, we named her Neva because she is exactly heaven sent. A gift straight from God himself. Mark's case is far from over. Republican members of Congress are now starting to look into this and say, wait a minute, what happened? How many people were there, the SWAT team and all that? I don't know what they'll be able to do unless the Republicans gain control of the House and thankfully or hopefully the Senate. But they're certainly going to look into it and they're going to make an issue out of it and do what they can. And we, uh, we're we very happy about that and we all should be in, in, in appreciative. If you've been in church circles for years, as I have been, grew up in church, you may have heard people refer to the Joshua generation. By that, they usually mean, when they talk about the Joshua generation, not all, but usually, what they mean is that young people who are full of spiritual fire and zeal, ready to make an impact for the Lord, that's what they're talking about. I've made, I don't know how many appeals to young people, speaking at conventions and my own youth group and the church, and even when I was a a senior pastor, you know, the, the old, no, the senior pastor. I would make appeals to the young if God's calling you and, and so on. And this is a Joshua moment. And go to the far corners of the earth or go to your school or go to your college or university and be a light for Jesus. So on. I believe very deeply in that. I think that's the main thing that Jesus told us to do was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Share the gospel with people because that's the only hope that humanity has. But actually, <laughs> and I knew this, but... Let me make a point of it. Well, the people Joshua was leading were all under 40. You can do the math on this if you read the story. He was at least 60. He was in his 60s. And man, that's really old. I mean, I'm kidding. But he was not a teenager. You, as I said, you can do the math if you read the story. I believe all of us today in America are facing kind of a Joshua moment, not just the kids and, and, you know, the teenagers and the college kids and young adults and so on. But regardless of our age, God is calling his people to have courage, to take a stand for righteousness, to lead, not just merely follow and be influenced by the culture or even just only upset at the culture and those behind it driving this culture into the pit of hell, as far as I'm concerned. Only 12 men selected to spy out the land. Among them, only Joshua and Caleb brought back a favorable favorable report. You know the story. Not all of us are called to do what Mark Houck is doing, but some of us are. But we're all called to be of good courage, to take a stand, to choose you this day whom you will serve. I think that's where we are today. I see, and I want to see this, but I, I believe I'm looking clearly at it. I am biased. But I believe I see a little bit of, of a pushback that feels so good in my spirit in this nation. I pay attention because it's this program demands it, and I, I believe I am responsible to know what's going on when I open my mouth every day and turn on this microphone. But, boy, I'll tell you, in the midst of all of this chaos and darkness and, and all of this stuff, and it's awful, but I think I see a turning. I think maybe there's a bit of a pushback. And uh, we'll be talking about some of those things in the coming days. But it's time for us to be of good courage. Take a stand. 
Choose you this day whom you will serve. Do what your hand finds to do. Can support people like myself who are out there speaking to a lot of people. But do something. But stand. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.